Welcome to Pre-K Spot Talks. I am Melissa, your host and the founder of Pre-K Spot, the spot for early childhood educators to open up their teaching. I am your guide down the open-ended child-led teaching path, and together we will explore strategies and ideas so that you may open up your teaching to less stress, more engagement, and an overall joyful child-led classroom. Hello, hello, educator friends, and welcome to another episode of Pre-K Spot Talks. I'm your host, Melissa May, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 5, All About the Puppets. You may have just heard Mikey and I discuss our puppets just a little bit in the most recent episode. In this episode, I'm just going to go a little bit more into some general information about how to use some puppets and continue to share some more information about how I use mine. And I will say that I am not a constant puppet user. I am still by no means a puppet expert, but I am loving the fact that I have been trying out new things and I'm really trying to do really get good at using puppets and I'm just sharing my journey along the way. When I say puppet, what springs to your mind? A little sock puppet from your childhood perhaps? Or maybe the grandeur of marionettes dancing intricately on the stage? But here's a little secret. Puppetry while drenched in nostalgia, isn't just about entertaining. It's about educating, connecting, and most importantly, exploring the very fabric of human emotion. Did you know that puppetry is as ancient as storytelling itself? From the sandy deserts of Egypt to the cultural heartlands of China, puppets have been narrators of traditions, stories, and lessons for a millennia. Now, let's think of our classroom as a grand stage. The children, with their bubbling enthusiasm, are both our audience and our performers. And when we introduce puppets into the setting, something enchanting happens. It's as if a little key has unlocked a vast universe of creativity and expression. I recently came across an article, and brace yourselves because this is fascinating. Research from the University of Sheffield highlighted that puppetry encourages children to express emotions that they otherwise might find challenging. The puppet, in a way, becomes an extension of their persona, allowing them to navigate feelings of joy, sadness, anger, and love. Here's a little story to sprinkle in some real-life fairy dust on that research. During one of my classroom visits, I met Jamie, a quiet little boy who often found himself overshadowed by his more outspoken classmates. But when he got a hold of a dragon puppet named Draco, Jamie transformed his voice, his expressions, his body language. It was as if Draco lent Jamie his wings and he soared. As educators, isn't that what we yearn for? Those breakthrough moments, the twinkles in our students' eyes when they grasp a concept, voice an opinion, or simply find a new way to express themselves. And if a puppet, be it a dragon, a princess, or a quirky little sock, can be the catalyst for such moments, then indeed, We're not just educators, but magicians. And since then, I've seen this time and time again with my own children. Whether it be a stuffy or a puppet, they often want to talk to the stuffy or puppet and will often tell them their deepest and darkest secrets that maybe you were trying to find out that they would never tell you, but they will tell those puppets or stuffies. Using puppetry has a transformative power for the students and the classroom. Now let's talk a little bit more about puppetry in practice. Let's start with the obvious, storytelling. 
Picture this, a room of wide-eyed kids hanging on to every word, every move of a puppet as it brings to life adventures of Little Red Riding Hood or the mischiefs of the Monkey King. But why does it work so well? Dr. Karen Erickson of the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill pointed out that puppetry in storytelling dramatically increases comprehension and retention. When children watch a story unfold with puppets, they're not just passive listeners. They become engaged, visual learners, absorbing details with a clarity that even HDTVs can't provide. And the best part about puppets for storytelling is you can make any kind of puppet. We often like to photocopy the pictures, cut them out, and put them on a popsicle stick. Then that usually encourages the children to draw and create their own puppets, and they Do it again, just like we did. Put it on paper and put it on a popsicle stick. And there we go. We have storytelling puppets. I've also done storytelling with just cut out pictures. I have had the children do the Hungry Hungry Caterpillar, and I made the shapes for them, and then they colored them and cut them, and we laminated them, and we put them on Velcro, and now we have them on a felt storyboard. And then we've also used hand puppets, like stuffies, and we've also used sock puppets. We also have our classroom puppets. There are a million different types of puppets out there and they are all equally as effective, especially if you're doing different things. Some can be more effective for different situations, like a stuffy one is probably better for conflict or for feelings, but to storytell, you can do a drawing and a piece of paper and a popsicle stick. Now let's wander into the world of conflicts. Yes, our little ones have their share of tiffs. He took my toy. She called me a name. Enter the Puppet Mediator. I once saw a puppet named Mr. Resolve. Every time there was a disagreement, children would approach Mr. Resolve. They'd share their feelings, and in turn, the puppet, handled by another student, would provide insights, solutions, or simply a fuzzy shoulder to lean on. By giving children a platform, a mediator, you allow them to see conflicts from a different perspective. Not from atop an adult's towering figure, but from a peer-like fluffy companion who understands them. And speaking of understanding, let's touch upon social skills. Ever tried using puppets to roleplay emotions? It's like setting the stage for an Oscar-worthy performance of raw, childlike emotions. Imagine a puppet show where one puppet feels left out at playtime, or another one is nervous about the first day of school. But using puppets to mimic real-life situations, we create a safe space for children to explore their feelings, address their fears, and share their joys. They love connecting with a puppet. I always use the puppets on the first day of school to show nervousness and to show children that it can be okay. And then the children always help the puppet. And then they forget about their nervousness or they know that they've just told the puppet it's okay, that they can tell themselves that it's going to be okay. I also really, really love to use the puppets to resolve issues. We just use it very, very recently. I talk about it in the previous episode with Melissa and Mikey about how we use it to discuss rough play and respecting people's boundaries. And it was so much more engaging with the puppets than when I tried to do it just by myself. I did it without the puppets, without thinking. I started the lesson to talk to the kids, and then I was like, wait a second, hold up. A puppet would be perfect for this. And before I knew it, I had them all, and they all understood, and they've even referenced it a little bit. They're like, oh, just like Owly, I don't like to play rough. 
And the other beautiful thing about puppetry is its adaptability. Whether you're diving deep into fairy tales or navigating the rough seas of childhood emotions, puppets act as anchors, keeping children grounded, connected, and most importantly, understood. So the next time you pick up a puppet, remember, you're not just holding fabric and fluff. You're holding a powerful tool, a bridge between the imaginative and the real, ready to pave the path for countless learning adventures. So we've talked about how puppets are transformative and how they can be practically used in the classroom. But now let's talk about setting the stage and designing the puppet show for maximum impact in our classrooms. Every educator knows it's not just what you teach, but how you present it. Think of puppetry as a play. The script might be stellar, but without the right stage setting, lighting, and props, the message may not land. Have you ever seen a child's face light up when they have the perfect puppet stage? A cardboard box, an old curtain, or even a blanket fort can transform into a grand theater in a child's eyes. But it's more than just aesthetics. Professor Helen Nicholson from the Royal Holloway University explains that a dedicated space for puppetry encourages a structured form of play, honing skills like sequencing, narration, and even attention span. I've seen before an incredible puppetry setup called the Puppetry Corner. In a classroom, it wasn't just a stage, it was a puppet's home with little drawers for clothes, a library of miniature books, and even tiny utensils. Every week, children were responsible for designing the home, changing the puppet's clothes, and even creating stories around the items in the home. And the result? An intricate dance of storytelling, responsibility, and creativity. It was magnificent to witness, and the children taking ownership of not just the puppets, but their narratives. I absolutely love that. That made it just so it made it so relevant. And speaking of narratives, do you know the magic of using puppet of shadow puppets? There's a stark simplicity in black and white shadows, casting tall tales on a luminous backdrop. In the process, children learn about light, shadows, and even a smidge of physics. A story coupled with science, isn't that a delightful cocktail? This is where I really like to use the projector. If you have an old school projector, they make the most beautiful shadows and spark the best conversations and play. So whether it's a vibrant puppet stage or a dimly lit shadow theater, the essence is the environment. By investing thought into the stage, we aren't just amplifying the puppet story, but we're also whispering a silent promise to our little ones. That their voices, no matter how tiny or soft, deserve the grandest of stages and the keenest of listeners. So now in our final chat about puppetry, we've journeyed through tales, stages, and shadows. But before we draw the curtains, let's venture into the heart of it all. The bond between puppet and puppeteer and the transformative effect it has on both the child and the classroom. Each puppet with its button eyes and stitched smile becomes more than just fabric and thread in a child's hands. It becomes an extension of their emotions, their voice, and their very being. We mentioned this before. I once read a story about a quiet little boy named Jamie in a bustling classroom. Jamie's voice often got lost. But one day he discovered Mr. Whiskers, a cat puppet with green eyes. With Mr. Whiskers on his hand, 
Jamie found his voice. He narrated tales of adventures of forests and fire-breathing dragons. The puppet had given Jamie a medium, a confidence he had never knew he had. And it's not just Jamie. There's research out there that explains that puppets can play an essential role in enhancing social and emotional development. Children become more empathetic, understanding, and and expressive. Dr. Jean Hartstein, the renowned child psychologist, adds another layer to this. She mentions how children sometimes find it easier to communicate difficult feelings and experiences through puppets. It's a safe space, a cushioned environment to express, share, and heal. But let's not forget about our role as educators in this dance of dolls. By encouraging puppetry, we're not just fostering creativity. We're shaping environments where every child feels heard, where every narrative, no matter how fantastical, finds a home. And as we wrap it up, I want you to remember this. Each time a child picks up a puppet, they're not just playing. They're stepping into the world where boundaries blur, where their voice amplifies, and where the magic is just a thread and a dream away. So just remember, you can enter puppetry anywhere that you need to, from storytelling to conflict resolution to them teaching how to do something. And your puppet can be anything from a beautifully bought stuffed puppet like my owl to a leftover moose puppet that has no body like my moosey or a sock like Mikey's puppets. He makes sock puppets and Sometimes he's even made them out of loose parts and different crafts. A puppet can literally be anything. And this is definitely a place where you can get the children involved. If you do not have a puppet, maybe you can have them help you make one. And you definitely want them to help you name one. You definitely don't want to tell your puppets or your kids what your puppet's name is unless they get to have a say. This also makes the puppet so much more real to them. It's an just such a weird way. It's kind of like a movie. You're asking them to expand their their levels of belief, even though they know it's not real, but they believe that maybe there's something about it that's real. And that's what makes them help open up. And sometimes it doesn't even have to be a puppet. It could be a stuffy too. We keep plenty of stuffies in the classroom and the stuffies talk to each other and they act just like puppets. They just don't have a hole in the back for you to move their mouth. So Don't be afraid to try a little bit of puppetry out. The kids are so forgiving. And the more that you do it, the better you will get at it. And I'd just like to also say that there's a couple of different entry points with puppets as well when it comes to how the puppet talks. I definitely suggest coming up with a funny little voice that the children will really, really relate to and really, really connect to. But you don't have to. You can use your regular voice and your puppet can talk to you and you can be the relayer of information. Or your puppet can have a life and a personality and it could definitely have its own voice. And so thank you for joining me on this puppet-filled adventure. Keep the magic alive and until next time, play on.